Hey, you're listening to the Quarry Podcast. Get ready to be encouraged and uplifted with us today. From last year, I think it was last February, we had a relationship panel. And I've listened to that like several times because I thought it was awesome. We had Janet and Justin, we had Micah and Leslie, some people who know what they're doing way more than I do and could share out of their wisdom for us about how to date, how to not date, how to make your relationship work, what should you be looking for. So go back and listen to that if you're interested. And the other series I want to recommend for you guys is from Pastor Michael Todd. You can find it on YouTube. You can also find it on podcast. He did a series at Transformation Church that was called Relationship Goals. And I think it was an eight-part series. It's awesome. He talks about it all top to bottom. So in your free time, I would really recommend listening to those things. But tonight... We are going to talk about dating. And I made a joke earlier. Tonight we're going to talk about dating. And next week we're going to talk about being single. So it's like where you want to be versus where you are. And hopefully we can build a bridge in between those to successfully get you from one to the other. Does that sound good? Okay. Let me take my gum out so don't fly out at you guys. First of all, I want to say that talking about dating is really important. Have you noticed how many people try to give you unsolicited relationship advice? Even when you're single and you're just like, what do you think I'm going to do with this? Like, (laughs) it's just me right now. I'm fine. You can give me advice about my relationship with God, otherwise, whatever. But no matter what stage of life you're in, I don't care if you're single, married, dating, divorced, whatever, everybody wants to share their uh, wisdom with you, their tips, their knowledge, unsolicited. And half the time, the people that are telling me these things, I'm thinking, I do not want my relationship to be like your relationship, so I don't want to take this advice. Like, if I thought you had a great relationship, I would have asked you about it. No offense, but I think sometimes, you know, we're just bombarded with this advice, and it's important to go to what the Bible says, because I do think dating is super important to talk about, but I do think just like sex, a lot of times I grew up thinking automatically dating is bad, because it leads to bad things, right? If you date the wrong person, your life's just going to go up in flames. You'll never be able to recover, this and that and the other. So I want to bring a little bit of balance to that for you tonight. And the first thing I want to say, I did steal this from Michael Todd, although I came to this conclusion before I heard him say it, because I was trying to look in the Bible, stuff about dating, and I was like, I really can't find a whole lot. And I listened uh, to a message from him, and he said this, and I said, okay, yes, that makes sense. He said, dating is not biblical. It's not a concept that's brought up in the Bible. Now, this is, I think, probably largely due to the fact that there are some big societal differences. I think the Bible is speaking today. I think it's very relevant. But back in Bible times, dating wasn't a thing people did. Uh, Marriage was a covenant that was set up by families a lot of times. So this whole, like, going to dinner, going to the movies, it's my decision, that really wasn't how it worked back then. So if you look for dating advice in the Bible, you're not exactly going to find it. However, what you will find is a whole lot of advice and wisdom about who you surround yourself with and who you let speak into your life. And that very much applies to dating. And I want to encourage you that even though dating isn't biblical, um, I do believe it's cultural for us. And I think that it does not have to be sinful if God is in the middle. 
That's the key. Can dating be sinful? Yes. But does it have to be? Absolutely not. If you do it the right way and keep God in the middle, I believe dating has an important purpose. And even though the Bible doesn't specifically talk to us about who to date, it does have a lot to say about our relationship. So that's what I want to talk to you guys about tonight. Tonight is going to be very practical. Is that okay? You're going to have a lot of like one, two, threes, ABCs in your notes because I want to lay it all out for you guys. I don't want you to be confused. And I also want to make this easy because I know that when we do things God's way, he makes it light and easy for us. So we're going to start off with just a few thoughts about what the Bible can say on this topic. Is that okay with you guys? Just a couple thoughts. A few biblical thoughts that we can apply to dating. The first is found in Proverbs 4.23. And it says this. Above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. So the beginning says, above all, guard the affections of your heart, and the end says, from out of it is going to flow the spring of your life. So my first biblical thought on dating is that you need to realize who you date does affect your whole life. Who you date affects your whole life. Here's why I'm saying this. Who you date drastically affects your heart. You don't even have to be a Christian to know that, right? Quit playing games with my heart. Uh, It's tearing up my heart when I'm with you. Oops, I did it again. I played with your heart. Like, we have a million songs that all got these lyrics like, oh, you messed up my heart. Why? Because dating messes with your heart. Dating affects your heart. And the Bible says, hey, Pay attention to your heart because whatever is affecting your heart is affecting your whole life and everything that comes out of you. He said, guard the affections of your heart. And so from this, we can derive that dating does affect our whole life. It's pretty serious. Relationships involve your heart. And if it is involving my heart, it is affecting every area of my life, whether I choose to acknowledge it or not. And this is why I would argue that there should be no such thing for a Christian to be involved in any kind of dating that's just casual or just for fun. No such thing. I cannot date someone casually or just for fun because whether or not I accept it, it is affecting my whole life. I can choose to ignore that or I can act like that's not true. But when my heart gets involved, every area of my life is touched. When my heart gets involved... Everything that's coming out of me is influenced by that. So there's no such thing as this being casual. Sometimes in the church, I, I was probably like this in high school too. We can have a bad attitude like, everybody calm down. Like, it's not a big deal. You know, it's not serious. It's not serious. We're just talking. We're just this and that. And I felt that way too. But as I've grown older, I've seen it takes such a short amount of time for your heart to get involved such a short amount of time. Doesn't even mean that you're in love with that person or anything crazy, but as soon as those emotions start stirring in you and feeling like this is my best friend and I talk to them all day and I don't know what I would do without them and I really kind of tell them everything, that's my heart. There's my heart coming out. Doesn't mean, uh, you know, we can say like, well, we're not dating. Well, we're this, this, and that, and the other. My heart is involved, therefore it's affecting my entire life. So it's worth taking seriously. I love this, Um, kind of on the topic of casual dating. Michael Todd defined dating this way. He said, it is a vehicle to a destination for a relationship. If you are 
dating someone, you're in a vehicle, and you are moving. The question is which direction. I'm headed to a destination, but my destination is determined by who I'm riding with. This car is moving. I am in it. My heart is in it. My life is being affected. If I'm with the right person, I'm headed to the right destination, which is a covenant. If I'm with the wrong person, I'm headed to a wrong destination, which is going to be destruction and hurt for me. Dating is a vehicle to a destination for a relationship. You are moving somewhere. You are headed in a direction, and it's determined by who you're with. So we've got to pay attention. Where is this relationship taking me? I cannot act like it is not taking me somewhere because it is. Where is it taking me? The second thought I want to say to you guys tonight is how you date and who you date should bring glory to God. Now, this is something I would have maybe rolled my eyes out a little bit, too, when I was younger, because it's kind of, you know, we tend to compartmentalize God, and I, I would have been guilty of that, of just kind of being like, yeah, I get it, but, like, not everything is like a big church spiritual deal, right? That was my own immaturity thinking and speaking, and I want to show you guys in Scripture some support for this. We can see this in 1 Corinthians ten thirty one, and the Passion says it this way, whether you eat or drink, live your life in a way that glorifies and honors God. Dating is a huge part of how you live your life, right? If you're dating somebody, that is dramatically affecting how you live your life. And I didn't turn this one into the PowerPoint team. I'll just say it to you guys. Colossians 3.23 also says something similar. It says, whatever you do, whatever your task may be, work from the soul, put your very best effort in as something done for the Lord and not for men. What is he saying? Everything you do needs to be done unto God. And I told you, I would have had a bad attitude about this in high school because I thought that's just like, it's just overkill. Like, you know, I love God, but like, it's fine to have fun. Yeah, yeah, it is. But God is also saying, hey, everything that you need to do has to glorify me and has to honor me if you want to do it the right way. These verses are super clear that everything we do is to be done for God and everything means everything. How many of us have gotten into a relationship thinking this is for God? Probably almost none of us could raise our hands, right? We don't think that way. We think about it being for ourselves, you know? These things have to be done for God. Even dating, yes. If I'm going to approach it like it's for me, I'm going to miss out on what it was really created for and what God could do through it. I cannot approach a relationship like this is for me. And this is not for the other person. No, this is to honor God. And that right there will weed out like 50% of the people you want to date or more. Maybe like 99% of the people, right? Can you really look at this relationship and say, this is for God. Everything I am doing is to honor God. Everything I'm doing is to honor God. We often don't think that way, but I think there's great reward for thinking that way. And it's not crazy and it's not fanatical, but it's a matter of wanting God's best and understanding he loves me enough that I know I can trust him. And when I do things his way, it's going to be worth it a thousand times over, whether that's in dating or in my money or in just my life choices, my job choices, all of the above. I've got to do everything to honor God. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. But I want to approach this like it's for God and it's part of his plan. It's not for me and part of my plan. It's not for my family and for part of my family's plan or my grandma's plan or my coworker's plan or anybody else who's trying to tell me what to do for my life. No, this is something that I'm approaching that is for God and part of his plan. 
The third thought I want to give you tonight is that morals matter. First Corinthians 15:33 says this. Stop fooling yourselves. Evil companions will corrupt good morals and character. And I looked up the word moral, and it's defined this way. It's a person's standards of behavior or their beliefs concerning what is and what is not acceptable for them to do. And every single one of us in this room knows somebody whose life went downhill when they started dating someone with different morals. Every single one of us probably knows quite a few people that way who it's like, man, I don't even recognize that person six months later. Why they started dating somebody with different morals, different definitions for what you are able to do and what you are not able to do. And it's important to examine this because especially in today's climate, the waters are so muddy right? So many people are saying this is good and this is bad and this is hateful and this is not and this is love and this is not. You have got to be crystal clear. There can be no gray area. Here's why. The Bible says that when you marry someone, you literally two become one. How on earth do you think it's going to go if you mix yourself with somebody who's got morals that aren't the same as yours? That is not going to be able to stay intact. That is not going to be able to be held together. You're setting yourself up for destruction just on the simple basis of morals. Now, this gets a little more complex when we are like, yeah, but I really like this person. And, like, they're really nice. You know, they love other people. They really help other people. I know and love some people like this, people who have very different morals than me, but I love a lot because I, you know, we click or we have a good friendship or whatever, you know, and so that's where the waters can get kind of muddy and you have to really listen to the word of God and its standards for morality rather than your emotions. Your emotions will try and override that like it's not a big deal. Well, they love God. It's okay. It's not okay. If you're going to join your life with theirs, you have to believe the same on every single issue. If you're literally going to become one with that person, there can be no division. That's the devil's playground, right? Strife opens the door to every evil work. And something that seems like a small issue now will grow into a large issue later and open the door to things that I never wanted, all on the basis of something that was so easy to clear up at the beginning. What do you believe is right and wrong? What do you believe is acceptable for us to do and us not to do? Morals really matter. And I want to say this too. You know, well, I'll say that later. It's later on. (laughs) So those are my first three biblical thoughts. Even though the Bible doesn't necessarily talk about dating, it says um, out of your heart is coming everything. So you need to realize who you're dating affects your whole life. How you date and who you date needs to glorify God. And number three, morals matter. And I told you this was going to be like a little, not scholarly, I won't put it on that level, but like lots of bullet points. Those are the first three. Three biblical thoughts on dating. Next, I have five questions that you need to ask about a person you might be interested in dating. I told you this was going to be really practical. If you start noticing this person, if they catch your eye during worship on Sunday morning, if you see some of these girls playing knockout and they're better at sports than you and you start, like, looking at them, five questions you need to ask, okay? (laughs) You guys can laugh a little. I'm just saying, I was very impressed with the athleticism of the ladies when we were playing knockout. They were, like, pretty much all amazing, especially Shelby Lynn. So, just saying. (laughs) Five questions I want you to ask. When your thoughts just start getting, like, tickled about somebody, okay? Number one, this piggybacks really nicely off the morals issue. 
What do they believe? What do they believe? And I want to point out that this goes way beyond just being a Christian and beyond going to church. I haven't been a youth pastor for that long. First of all, I only realized that I was a youth pastor like last year at Love is Red. <laughs> I don't even want to explain to you how or why, but I was just like, dang, be names of your youth pastors. Oh my gosh. I did not know this for a while. <laughs> Second of all, it's only been like a couple of years. However, I have been volunteering with the quarry for like a decade. I realized this week. A little while. So I've been around young people a lot. It's a great time. I love you guys so much. But one thing that I have heard over and over and over and over and over when I'm talking to a girl and we're talking about a guy and she says, well, he's a Christian. I'm like, girl, <laughs> that doesn't mean jack squat. Like, did he tell you uh, what Bible verses he's standing on? Where does he attend church? Did you ask if they speak in tongues? Have you asked if he tithes? You know, but People of all ages, not just middle and high schoolers, justify it saying, well, they're a Christian and they love God. They're a Christian and they love God. Good for them. That means nothing. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 and 15 says this. Do not be unequally bound together with unbelievers. And then it defines unbelievers. So it's not just talking about somebody who's not saved. It says this. Don't make mismatched alliances with them inconsistent with your faith. Chances are, honestly, if you can settle for someone who's just a Christian, you are also just a Christian. There's probably not a lot of strong faith moving in your life. <laughs> I didn't even write that in my notes, so sorry that was the Holy Ghost. Let's blame him, <laughs> blame him for that. <laughs> but truly, if you truly are a person of strong faith pursuing God, I just don't think you can be attracted by that person who's just a Christian and loves God. I mean, come on. You know, I told someone this recently. So sometimes through the years, I was a little shocked by sometimes people who would ask me out, not because they think I'm better than anyone or anything like that, but it would just be someone that I'm like, I don't think I've seen you at church in like two years. I'm there every Sunday. Like I've kind of built my life on this thing. It's where all my involvement goes to. What are we going to talk about? Like I, I haven't seen you in three years and then I saw you for like one Sunday and I'm pretty sure you left early. Like what basis do we have here? Again, I'm not saying I'm better than them. I'm, I'm absolutely not. But I am saying I think our lives are built on something a little bit differently here. Let me finish this verse. Don't make mismatched alliances with them that are inconsistent with your faith. For what partnership, remember, when you're joining together, two becoming one, what partnership can righteousness have with lawlessness or sinfulness? What fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony or what peace can there be in a relationship between Christ and Satan? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? I love the way this verse lays it out. It's saying you got to find somebody whose faith matches your faith. The classic Dr. Jacobs quote that says, marry somebody who loves God just as much or more than you do. Yeah. When you look at your life and you're looking at somebody else, you've got to say, what do they believe? Even if they go to the same church as me, what do they believe? If I come to them on a hard day and say, hey, I need you to lay hands on me and pray for me right now, can they do that? 
right? Can they come to me and say, hey, I'm struggling with depression. I need you to pray for me right now. Can I join my faith with theirs? Can I expect them to believe for a financial need to be met with me? I mean, these are the real questions. Don't join your faith with people who are not on your level, who are not serving God like you. It does not matter if they're a Christian. That's fine. I'm glad they're going to heaven. But as far as joining their life to yours, that's not enough. Loving God is not enough. Being a good person and being kind is just not enough. Don't be unequally bound together with people who have lives that are inconsistent with your faith. It's not going to work. So that's the first question I want you to ask. What do they really believe? Second question, what are they called to do? This one is extremely practical. What are they called to do? Now, I want to point out, asking this does kind of require you to know what you're called to do. So I would say if you are not fully certain on what you're called to do, it may not be wise to jump wholeheartedly into a relationship that's headed towards marriage if I'm not even sure what God has called me to do. Okay? That's a side note. But what are they called to do? If you're called to ministry and they're not, it's an instant disqualifier. Doesn't mean they're a bad person. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them. It just means we can't join our lives together. It's not going to work, right? If you're called to like move to Kenya and open an orphanage and they don't want to move to Kenya, sorry, this isn't going to work, right? This seems silly because it's kind of really practical, but I see people who will say like, well, I know I'm called to do this or I believe I'm called to do this. And then they're dating just some like hooligan that doesn't even attend church and you're trying to tell me you're called to ministry girl this don't work like that's not how it's gonna be and you can end up sacrificing a whole lot for a whole little I had really good friends that were called to ministry I know this at times in my life they were my spiritual inspiration I was like the weaker part of this friendship they were the one building me up and encouraging me and you know what I don't even see them anymore because a relationship took them so far out of the plan of God that we have no fellowship, no friendship anymore, let alone talking about going into ministry. I know that they were called, and it is true that your calling doesn't go away, but if you're not qualifying for it and you've joined your life to somebody who's incompatible with that, it's not going to work. We need to be more consumed with who is compatible with our calling than like our relationship and our preferences. It's not about who do I work with. It's about, no, who is going to work with me in the plan of God? Where are we headed? Who is going to help me and who can I help? What are we going to be pursuing? It's not about my preferences. If you ask me my type, I don't have one other than someone who loves and serves God. That's that. I don't have a list of this and that and the other talents and appearance things because that doesn't matter that's superficial and I'm not looking for somebody who's compatible to my taste I'm looking for somebody who's compatible to my calling got to hook up with somebody who's called to do the same thing you are and like I said if you're not sure yet that's fine no shade I sometimes I still don't know like what the next you know five or ten years I'm not saying I know everything about my calling but if you feel like you just know nothing about your calling, let's start with praying for that. And then later you can pray about who you're supposed to date. Start with your calling first. The third question I want you to ask, what do your trusted advisors think? That was the best thing I could think to call them. Your trusted advisors, okay? People like uh, life group leaders, um, some of your friends who are mature enough to tell you the truth, your pastors, your parents if they're serving God. What do these people think? 
What do these people think? And again, this is one where I have seen people, they, they know enough to ask these people what they think, but they're not wise enough to then follow their advice when this person says, I don't feel like this is a good fit for you. And they're like, well, I feel like it is, so I'm just not going to talk to you about this anymore <laughs> until we break up eight months later, and then I'm going to be like, yes, you were right. This has happened time and time again. We've all probably done it to a level as well. But what do the people around you think, the spiritual people in your life, the people who are encouraging you to pursue your calling what do they think and listen sometimes you might not understand why they have some of the negative feedback that they do and that's okay they are further down the road of life than you and they can see things that you cannot yet see and you have to know yourself enough to say listen if my heart is starting to turn towards this and my emotions are involved, I'm going to acknowledge that my judgment might not be sharp because I'm allowing my emotions to speak a little bit louder than the Holy Spirit right now. So if I'm having trouble seeing through that, I'm going to go talk to the people who I know will give me godly advice if I feel like I can't hear it on my own right now. You have to re realize that when you're in those situations, sometimes your emotions are clouding things. And our emotions are so unreliable. I heard this statistic the other day. I tried to look it up and I couldn't find it, but it was on a podcast. It was something crazy. Like literally, scientifically, like most of your emotions, I want to say it was over 80% of your emotions are based on things that are not true. It's all in your mind. All emotion. And this wasn't like a Bible preacher, pastor, somebody saying this. This was science. Most of your emotions are based on things that are not true. Isn't that crazy? What does that say? I cannot trust my emotions. I cannot trust them. It's fine if they're good, but I'm not going to use them as a guide to lead my life. I'm going to seek out spiritual counsel when my emotions are clouding my judgment and I need to hear God in this situation. And then when I seek that out, I need to be wise enough to listen and realize that those people love me. So seek out counsel of your trusted advisors. What do they think? Here's the next question I want you to ask. This is a good one. It's a hefty one. Do they walk in love? Do they walk in love? Because I want to highlight to you that being in love and walking in love are two different things. Being in love is emotional. It's an emotion. But walking in love is a choice that you make even when your emotions are not there. Does this person walk in love? We find the definition here in 1 Corinthians 13, of course, verses 4 through 8. Love is large and incredibly patient. Is this person gentle? Are they consistently kind to everyone? Do they refuse to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else? Do they refrain from bragging about their own achievements or inflate their own importance? Um, do they traffic in shame or disrespect or selfishly seek their own honor? Are they easily irritated? I'm convicted on that one because, frankly, I'm type A and I'm easily irritated, so I'm working on it, okay? Are they easily irritated? Are they quick to take offense? Do they get offended when their pastors and their life group leaders say things that they don't like? Do they joyfully celebrate honestly and find no delight in what is wrong? Are they a safe place of shelter? Do they never stop believing the best for others? Do they never take failure as defeat and never give up because love never stops loving? 
No, I'm not talking about expecting someone to be perfect. We'll get to that a little bit later. But I am saying, again, being in love is an emotion, but walking in love is a choice. Do I see them choosing to walk in love even when it's hard? Here's why. If I don't see them doing that with other people, I know they're not going to do that with me. If they cannot demonstrate that toward others, they will not be able to demonstrate it towards me. When I'm the closest relationship in their life, you get the best and the worst of that person. If they do not choose to walk in love with others, they're not going to choose to walk in love with you. This goes beyond just saying, well, they really love me. Yes, but do they really walk in love with you? That is different than really being in love with you, right? Walking in love is different and we have to make sure that we're making our dating decisions outside of our emotions. Frankly, it is not about how much someone loves me, it's about how much they walk in love with me and others, right? I've gotta make that decision outside of my emotions because your emotions will cause you to settle for somebody who's just in love with you and just loves you when you really need somebody down the road who's going to walk in love with you and your family and your friends and in all the difficult decisions in life. Why? Again, because the Bible says when there is strife, when there's any kind of division or contentment, it opens the door to every evil work. And if my life is going to be connected to theirs, I don't want to be connected to somebody who's opening that door to every evil work. It's not going to happen. So I've got to make sure that I'm making these decisions aside from my emotions not based on if they love me, but do they walk in love with me? Here's a couple of bonus questions, okay? These are extremely practical, just for fun. I listed them all under question number five. How old are they? (laughs) How old are you? And do they have a job? Now, this is the part where you're going to have to not get offended because I, too, was once 15 and 16 and 17 and thought I really had it all together, and I really knew a lot. And now I'm turning 30, and with every year that passes, I feel like I know less and have less together. So this just kind of declines as you go through life, but, like, you're more humble and you're more relaxed because of it because you're like, you know what? Nobody really has it all together. It's fine. But anyway... How old are they? How old are you? Do they have a job? Let's start with do they have a job? The Bible puts it really plainly. If a man does not work, he should not eat. What does a job say about somebody? Now, again, no shade if you don't have a job, for real. I know you're in high school, middle school. You guys have different situations. So whatever. You're not getting married today anyway. So I'm talking about when you're looking at joining your life with somebody. Do they have a job? Can they show up on time? Can they be faithful working for someone else's vision? Something that's not necessarily benefiting them other than putting money in their account every week. Can they show up for something that they maybe don't like, but they're able to serve faithfully out of the principle of being a faithful person who can abound in blessings, right? A job teaches you discipline. A job teaches you how to get along and work with other people that you don't like. I heard somebody recently say, like, those five people you don't like at your job, They're going to be at every job in your whole life. Different names, different faces, same five annoying people. So just learn to deal with them. Get over it, (laughs) right? Don't let them bug you and throw you for a loop because guess what? They're going to be at the next job too, and they might even be in your church, and you might have some in your family. You just get over it and learn to deal with people, right? So do they have a job? Do they demonstrate faithfulness? The questions, how old are they and how old are you, (sighs) bring us to this, this fun point. I believe you guys hear from God. I don't know if you believe you can hear from God. I believe you can hear from God. I know that you can. 
But at the same time, when somebody is like 15 or 16 and they're telling me that the relationship they're in is right, I'm a little skeptical based on this, okay? God knows you. He created you. So he knows you really well. God knows them. He created them. He knows them really well. Two people are typically not going to be able to walk in an intense, full-blown relationship from age 15 to 20 or whenever they can get married without making some mistakes and some decisions they shouldn't and maybe like having a baby or two along the way. Do you know what I'm saying? I was really graphic the other night. I'll be less graphic tonight for your sake. But this is just simple, practical wisdom. If I'm not old enough to get married, I'm going to listen to the book of Song of Solomon that says, do not awaken love before it's time. Even if I feel like this is the right person, I would suggest if you're 14, 15, 16, 17, it may be the wrong time. Why? Because you should not awaken love before it's time. What is it saying? Don't awaken things when you can't do anything with them or about them. It's just going to frustrate you, and you're either going to live right and be crazy frustrated, or you're going to make some mistakes and fall into sin and have to deal with that, and then, like, also be going to church with this person. It's going to get real weird, okay? This is extremely practical. If you are not old enough to be married soon, you probably shouldn't be in an intense, serious relationship, because where are you going to go? Where are you going to go, right? Where are you going to go? Can you afford a house? No. Can you afford a child? No. And that's fine. You're not meant to do that right now. I'm not putting you down. It's no biggie. Focus on school. Finish high school. You know, pray about what to do. But this is just extremely practical. But also, people don't like to hear it. And like I said, I get it. I vividly remember turning 17 and just really feeling like I was, like, pretty wise and, like, had a good grasp on things. I'm not sure why I thought that. (laughs) I knew by age, like, 21 that I did not. So um, it took me a few years to get there. But again, your emotions cannot be trusted, okay? Right? Know yourself well enough to know, hey, this is an opportunity where I could get into some big trouble, and it's just not worth it. It's fine. I can be friends with this person. They can be in my life. That's fine. But I'm going to make sure this doesn't turn into something serious when I can't do anything about it. Does that make sense? That's just extremely practical. Okay. Those are the questions I want you to ask about the other person. We're heading towards the end, I promise. I know it's a hair long tonight. These last ones are going to be quicker. These are questions I want you to ask about yourself. Okay? We've asked these questions about other people. These are questions I want you to ask about yourself. Just go ahead and, like, put your grown pants on right now because some of these are hefty, okay? But it's good, and it'll help you. Question number one, what do I believe? I asked what do they believe, but it's important to know What do I believe? Here's my end point in that. Am I strong in what I believe, or can I be shaken or talked out of it? And a step further, am I strong enough, and do I know what I believe strongly enough that I will make the right choice to get out of this relationship as soon as I realize it's not right? And that's where a lot of people get tripped up. Know yourself. Be surrounded by good people and by people who love you and can say, hey, listen, if this starts to go a wrong direction, 
Are you going to have the maturity to step out of it? Or are you going to listen to your emotions that are talking a little bit louder than the Holy Spirit in that time? Because I don't think it's wrong necessarily to date somebody. And maybe, you know, it's not wrong just to date them. You could have right intentions. They could have right intentions. Everybody can have a good heart. It can be centered around God. But you can still get into it and, and realize, like, eh, this, I, this isn't it. You know, this isn't the right thing. We need to end this. The problem is that many times people's emotions and, again, their heart have gotten so far carried down this path, even though they know it's not right, it's going to be messy and painful to get out of it. So they stay in it way too long and end up hurting themselves and the other person in the end. So you've got to know what do you believe and really ask yourself honestly, am I really firm enough in that that I know I will get out of this if it's not right? If the answer is no, that means I don't need to date right now. I need to get with God right now and figure out what do I really believe. Let me get this conviction in my heart. Let me make sure I can hear the Holy Spirit's voice so that if I am in something that's wrong, I'll know when I need to get out and I can do that. Number two, why do I want to be in a relationship? Why do I want to be in a relationship? I want to say you should not be in a relationship because you're lonely or because you're bored or because you just need someone right now because you're going through a hard time, because you feel pressure from other people. None of those are good reasons to be in a relationship. Remember we said earlier, everything we are to do is to be for God and serve God. I can take that and say, hey, okay, the biblical grounds for getting into a relationship are to honor and serve God. Is this person going to be able to join with me to honor and serve God? Are they going to be able, again, to complement my calling? That's the grounds for being in a relationship. Not even just because I like someone. Not because I'm attracted to someone. Not because I, I think somebody's great. No. Are they the person to join with me and we can bring honor to God? That's the grounds for being in a relationship. So ask yourself that honestly. Why do I want to be in a relationship? Because if you want to be in a relationship for the wrong reasons or if you get into one, a couple of things are going to happen. I believe you'll be met with hurt and disappointment because you're either trying to have um, the wrong kind of needs met in your life or you're looking to that person to provide what really only God can, right? We see so many people date for security and date for self-esteem. And no human was ever made to make me feel fully secure and fully confident and fully anything else. Those things come from God. So not only will I be disappointed, but I can also really hurt someone else if I'm trying to put the pressures of what I need to get from God on them and look to them to give that to me. They can't. They can't. Do you know that? Nobody's going to ever make you feel fully 100% loved. We're humans. No one's going to ever make you feel fully confident. Nobody's ever going to be your best friend all the time and never hurt you. We're humans, right? Now, you shouldn't be with somebody who's, like, constantly hurting you. That's bad. But at the same time, I see so many people looking to other humans and getting into a relationship, seeking what they really need to be getting from God, that's only going to hurt you or hurt the other person. So the biblical grounds for getting into a relationship are to bring glory to God and honor him by what I'm involved in. Last question I want you to ask yourself. We ask, do they walk in love? But how about do I walk in love? We could read 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 all over again and say, am I patient? Am I kind? 
Do I refrain from boasting about myself? Do I keep my jealousy in check when somebody else gets something that I want? Am I always there to uplift people? Does my love never fail? Now, we're not perfect, but at the same time, I cannot expect to get into a relationship and you know have the other person kind of held to these standards when I'm not really held to those standards too. Just as they're meant to help me, I'm also meant to help them. And if I evaluate myself and say, I honestly can't help someone right now, I'm like in a mess, I don't need to be in a relationship. They can't fix me, and I will only drain them instead of help them. So do I walk in love? We're going to close. I know I've been a little long tonight, but I was excited to talk about this. So I want to close just briefly to encourage you, because I felt like this. Sometimes I think we look around, and it's just like, like I said earlier, people are giving you advice, and you're just like, yeah, but I don't want my relationship to be like yours, so why am I going to take your advice? But I think it's really sad, and I, I felt this on my heart that some of you feel this way. The only examples in your life have just been failed relationships or broken relationships, hurt relationships, relationships that didn't work out. And it can be easy to feel like, does anybody get this right? Like, you know, people are married, but are they happy? Like, is there joy? Are they really serving God? Do they have peace? When we look around, sometimes even in the church, we don't always see a lot of that, right? And it doesn't mean that, that people don't have problems. We all have challenges because we're human. So I'm not talking about people being perfect, but I am talking about just people just going through the motions. And you're just thinking like, you know, we've all been in situations where we're just like, I wouldn't, I never want a marriage like that, Right? I don't want that. Look what happened. That's awful. Or they're just married because the Bible kind of says, like, don't get divorced. But, like, you know, I don't want to live that way. I want to encourage you that no matter what you've seen or, or what your parents' life has been like, your family's life has been like, people around you, you can trust God to have a great marriage. You don't need to approach this in fear. Pastor Jimmy Evans says this, and I love it. Every single marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. And I just felt that tonight that some of you just have fear in your hearts toward this because you're just thinking, I just never want it to go the way I saw it go. I don't ever want that bad thing to happen. I just, I don't, I, I don't want that. That is so far from what I want. And I want to say that's so far from what God created marriage to be. So I just want to encourage you to say, no matter what's gone on in your life or what your examples of marriage or family or relationships has been, your marriage, your relationships have a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. You don't have to have a life like everybody else. You can choose to pursue God to submit this relationship to him as a way to honor him and serve him, and you can have a 100% chance of success. Amen? I just want to encourage you guys with that tonight. So thank you for listening to me. I hope this was helpful. I had a lot of fun talking about this, and I'll pray with you guys as we close. Father, we're super grateful for the help that is found in your word. Father, we don't have to be lost on this topic or confused. We don't have to walk through hurt and disappointment. Father, we are trusting you that our relationships can be full successful when we submit them to you and do it your way father so we just thank you for the family we have here Father, I personally am appreciative of the people in this room who help keep me accountable and help uh, hold me up in these areas, Father. So I just thank you for speaking to everybody's heart tonight, Father, giving them peace, giving them comfort, helping them know that their relationships can be good and can be great and can honor you, Father. And we're just so grateful for the help that's in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. To learn more about what's happening at The Quarry, check us out on social media. 